UFOs, unidentified flying objects. What are they? This is Evidence and Answers with Christian scholar, speaker, author, and apologist, Pat Zuckerman. Today, a Christian view of UFOs. This is a topic that continues to capture the imagination of the world. But is there spiritual danger in this phenomenon? Today, Pat will introduce a special guest who is an expert in this area. I'm Kevin Harris, and I want to urge you to go to evidenceandanswers.org for resources on this topic and many more. Evidenceandanswers.org provides cutting-edge resources on worldviews, world religions, apologetics, and everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Pat? Thanks, Kevin. We have with us returning Dr. Ron Rhodes. He's an expert in apologetics and the cults and the occult, and he's done a fascinating work. One of the few books I know written from a Christian perspective on UFOs. The title of his book is Alien Obsession. Great book on this topic. You're going to want to get a copy. And uh, Dr. Rhodes, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you again. Well, we talked a lot about UFOs last week and this week. Let's begin with this topic. When we talk about UFOs, we're talking about the possibility of life on other planets. Do you think there is life on other planets, and is there a Christian consensus on this question? Well, now that is an excellent question. You know, there's been so much debate about that. Uh, it used to be that most scientists said that there couldn't possibly be life on other planets. And they said that because they didn't think that there were any Earth-like planets out there, you know, with oxygen and uh, water and, you know, the components necessary for the sustenance of life. Today, however, there are many, many scientists who believe that there's conceivably millions of Earth-like planets out there in an infinite universe full of billions of galaxies. Surely, one of those planets must have intelligent life. One famous guy by the name of Isaac Asimov was very clear in his affirmation that there must be a life out there somewhere. But, you know, from a Christian standpoint, it's interesting that you've got Christians who are divided straight down the middle on this question, with some saying, yes, there's life on other planets, and others saying no. For example, Billy Graham is one of those who says that he thinks that there is life on other planets. In fact, let me quote him. He says, I firmly believe there are intelligent beings like us far away in space who worship God, but we would have nothing to fear from these people. Like us, they are God's creation. Now, one of the verses they cite is John 14:2, which says this, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, since there's many rooms, there must be plenty of room for aliens. Well, guys, I don't think that's a very good verse to support anything. <laughs> I mean, it's a good verse to talk about the second coming, maybe. But it certainly really is a weak evidence that there's life on other planets. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm being too picky, guys. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think so either. It's well, like, uh, I have sheep that are not of this pasture. And right. some people will point to that one. Yeah, they, they may point to that, but you know, what's that talking about? You know, uh, Jesus is very clearly, like in John ten sixteen, he's talking about sheep of another fold, for example. Uh, Jesus is drawing a distinction between Israelite believers and Gentile believers. Mm-hmm. He's never talking about aliens. But some people might respond and say, well, you know, if there's not life on other planets, then why did God create such a vast universe? We know Scripture does give us an answer to that, and you find that in Psalm 19, which says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The fact is, is that this magnificent universe displays the greatness of the Creator God, the God who made it. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why God created this vast universe. It's a testimony to Himself. Now, I should mention to you guys that there are several theories that have been set forth as to, uh, you know, if there is life out there, why haven't we been contacted? 
you know, some people say that maybe there are life forms out there, but maybe they blew themselves up, you know, with atomic weapons or something. Others hold to what's called the contemplation hypothesis. This means that uh, they're out there, but they don't want to contact us. They just want to contemplate their own existence. And a third possible explanation is that they're out there, but they're so far away that they can't get here. And then there's a fourth hypothesis that I came up with, and it's called the they ain't there hypothesis. <laughs> so you've got yeah. those four basic scenarios that you can buy into. Well, that'd be a shame. You, you know, we spend millions of dollars, as you document in your book, on the SETI project, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, uh, to contact alien life or look for the possibility of alien intelligence out there, and it'd be quite a waste if there isn't any out there. Well, you know what's interesting is that our own government used to support uh, SETI, or the search for uh, you know extraterrestrial intelligence, and the government, uh, you know, it ended up on the cutting floor, basically. They weren't able to do it anymore, and so they got some private people to uh, support it, including Steven Spielberg. And I remember seeing the press conference of this thing. Steven Spielberg gave millions of dollars to SETI, and somebody asked him if he thought that there was intelligent life out there. And he, he responded by saying, you know, the bigger question is, is there intelligent life on planet Earth? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a good point. You know, when, whenever we use the term, why would God make such a vast universe? Because it's a waste if there are not other intelligent life forms out there. Well, you know, when you are considering God, waste is not an issue with him. He He's not held to our standards of what is efficient and inefficient and what's wasteful and what's not. So I don't think that's a very good argument. Well, and not only that, it may seem from a human perspective to be a waste. I mean, I can see how a non-believer might say something like that. But God has a purpose for each one. From God's perspective, what we read in the Bible is that God not only knows every star, and there are many billions of them, but God has actually named every one of them. God has named every star out there. And they're, they're greater than the, the sand on the seashore in terms of the number. And so God has a specific purpose, and they're being created, even if you and I, as finite humans, don't know that reason. Ron, uh, does it really matter if there's life out there? I mean, what does the Bible say about that? Well, Would you that know, from a, a theological perspective, uh, there, there has been some debate among theologians about, um, you know, what it would be like if there was life out there. For example, there's the issue of the fallen universe. You know, Genesis talks about how when man fell, the ground became cursed by God. And we see this also in Romans 8 that says that the world or the universe was subject to futility, which seems to indicate that the entire universe was affected. And so some theologians have speculated by saying, well, you know, if there are other life forms out there, does that mean that they've been affected negatively by man's sin? And does that mean that they are fallen? And if they are fallen, you know, would they want to come down here and destroy us? You know, that's one line of thought that's come up. There's been another discussion as to what would it be like if there were aliens that showed up, for example, on the White House lawn and landed, and they said that there is no such thing as Jesus Christ. And they said that there is no Christ, there's no God, there's no salvation, there's no heaven in the afterlife. Not that it would ever happen, but theologians have raised this. You know, what would that do to the faith of Christians? And there are still further Christians who have joined into the debate and have wondered if Satan and demons might try to pull off some kind of thing like that, where they cause certain manifestations to be seen and perhaps questioned, and maybe revelations come to the effect that there's no such thing as uh, Christianity. 
So, you know, there's all kinds of discussion that's gone on. I talk about all this in my book, and it's quite fascinating. Yes, and it seems like in the Bible, God's center of activity does center upon this earth. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, um, the earth really is not the center of the universe, is it? No. At least it's not scientifically. I mean, when you look at all the stars out there, there's no way you can see this tiny piece of dust in the universe. And really, that's what this Earth is. It's a tiny piece of dust when you compare it with the other big planets that are out there. Certainly from a scientific standpoint, it's not the center. But from a theological standpoint, the Earth is the center of the universe because, number one, it was on Earth that God created man. It was on Earth that the Savior became incarnate. It was on Earth that Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. It is to Earth that Jesus Christ will one day return And after that time, Jesus will create a new heavens and a new earth. So you see, theologically, the earth is the center of the universe, even if it is not scientifically. Well, here's another question. Are UFOs mentioned in the Bible? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) You've asked a question that has been uh, absolutely controversial. There are some people who swear that UFOs are in the Bible. In fact, they might point you straight over to Ezekiel. And uh, think back to that movie, for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now think about these words from Ezekiel as you think about that movie. I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was that of a man, but each of them had four faces and four wings. And it goes on to talk about the tremendous fire and and brilliant light that came from within the clouds. Well, you know what? You might think that that sounds like um, a UFO surrounded by clouds. You saw that not only in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but also the movie Independence Day. You know, the fire coming from Mm -hmm. out of the clouds and so forth. Well, if you look at the context of Ezekiel, it says very clearly there that uh, what Ezekiel saw was a vision of God, and the creatures that he saw were cherubim angels. So people are practicing what's called eisegesis. They're reading their own meaning into the text of Ezekiel to try to find UFOs there. In reality, all Ezekiel saw was a vision of God. Now, there's other claims about UFOs in the Bible. For example, you might, might remember Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. According to some people, the Ark of the Covenant was a special radio device for contacting aliens. And when the Egyptians started to attack, and they were right there at the Red Sea, Moses used this radio device in the Ark of the Covenant to contact the aliens who then came down and pointed the tailpipe of the uh, spacecraft right at the Red Sea and blew a path open. And while that path was blown open, the uh, Israelites then crossed to the other side. Is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? But there are millions of people who buy into that theory in the New Age movement. Think about it for a minute, guys. What would happen to Israelites crossing the Red Sea in the midst of an alien spacecraft using its tailpipe to blow open that path? Would anybody survive that? No, they'd get blown away too. Yeah, they'd be blown away and incinerated. But you know, people don't think about those kind of problems. Uh, there's also the theory that Jesus himself was half alien. In fact, there are some who believe that an alien by the name of Gabriel came down and had relations with Mary and gave birth to Jesus. And the reason why Jesus could do miracles was because he was half alien. Wow. He could walk on water and raise people from the dead because he was half alien. And then when he ascended into heaven, it was actually UFOs that came down and swooped out of the atmosphere and took him back up to heaven. Remember the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove on Jesus? Right. Well, many say that that was actually an energy discharge from the mother craft hovering above in the sky. So, again, this is what we call eisegesis. It's where people are actually reading something into the text of the Bible uh, in order to find UFOs in the Bible. 
in reality, there are no UFOs in the Bible at all. Now, Dr. Rhodes, one of the main points you make in your book is that there's a connection between alien abductions and occultism. Tell us about that. I find this absolutely fascinating because when you look at the evidence, it's typically people who have messed around with clairvoyance or levitation or out-of-body experiences or using crystal balls, but participating in seances or, uh, you know, maybe um, seeing a psychic, having a psychic reading done or engaging in altered states of consciousness and trance states and stuff like that. These are all different forms of occultism. And typically the people who claim to have experienced an abduction are people who have a former involvement in the occult. And one of the very interesting things that I can relate to you here is that uh, there was one very well-respected psychologist by the name of John Mack, who in fact wrote a book called Abduction. And in this book, he documented one person after another who had different abduction experiences. And he said in his book, he said, you know, I, I really can't see any commonality as to why these people would have abductions. Well, he really missed it because I saw a commonality right away. Almost everyone he talked about had some previous involvement in some form of the occult. And here's something else that's fascinating. You know, after people claim to be abducted by aliens, they go through uh, a certain experience, such as they, uh, they come in close contact with the aliens, such that the alien puts his fingers on the body and starts to tap the body, kind of like the alien is playing the piano on your body. Typically, the alien will allegedly move its uh, head very close to your head and do a brain scan. Sometimes it is claimed that an object is inserted deep into the nostrils, up into the brain. And, you know, a variety of things just like this are, re are reported by people who have these experiences. Well, here's the thing that's very significant. This experience is almost identical word for word for the typical shaman experience at the initiation ceremony that, that occultic shamans go through in, in their occultism. They have these mystical experiences where they encounter an entity who uses the fingers to wrap on the body and this, uh, insert things into the body and stuff like that. Does that raise some red flags to you? Certainly, sure. You know, it seems very clear that there's an occultic connection here. Now, the contrast, of course, is that you don't have Christians making abduction claims. Furthermore, we have on record several hundred people who were not Christians, but they grew up in a Christian home, and they started to experience an abduction experience, and it was halted in the name of Jesus. In other words, they called out to Jesus, even though they weren't Christians, and the experience stopped at that moment. Now, all of this leads me to believe that we've got something beyond the normal going on here. I don't think that we're being visited by aliens. I do think that we may have some demonic stuff going on in some instances. And uh, further substantiation for that is that there are many New Age psychics who claim to be in psychic communication with these space brothers. And you know what the typical revelation is? There is no death. There is no hell. People of all religions are welcome in heaven. You don't have to believe in Jesus Christ. He's one of us. Now, that ought to raise a red flag in your mind. You've got false doctrines coming from these entities, whoever they are. So all this evidence leads me to believe that at least in some cases, there are people who are experiencing things as a direct result of messing around with the occult. Whitley Stryber is one of the main guys who did that, Ron, is, and, and Pat, as you guys recall, uh, made a movie based on his life, and uh, he had the... Uh, several books out, Communion and others. I'm sure you, you, you talk about that, Ron. But. Well, that's right. In fact, I've got an entire chapter on him. And uh, even though he grew up with the Catholic background, he also found himself involved in the occult as an adult. Yeah. For example, he got really into the mystic occultist G.I. Gurdjieff. 
as well as P.D. Auspensky. These are both guys who have done a lot of writing in occultism. And uh, he started to study mysticism, Zen, witchcraft, shamanism, uh, various other things. And it was after that that he started to have these weird experiences in the night. And what's interesting is that he described these uh, aliens as insect-like creatures. And then he said, demons, they must have been demonic. There's no question, but they must have been demonic in some way. You know, I talked to him. I talked to oh, him and, and confronted him on it. I said, Whitley, uh, I think um, this is demonic. I said, as a Christian, I want to tell you that so many things that you're saying remind me of, of the demonic from a biblical worldview. And he goes, no, they're, they're not demons. Don't you think that if they were demons, they'd be, be trying to deceive me? <laughs> and I said, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're very deceived. And he goes, no, I don't think I'm deceived. I think these are uh, da-da-da-da-da, you know, and everything. So, uh, That's yeah. interesting that he says that, because I have a quote direct from his book where he does say that it's demonic. So he's, yeah. he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth. Yeah, he is. Like, yeah, he is. He's, you know, he's pretty discredited because of that, too. I was thinking of doing a review of his most recent book. It's a fiction book that, that talks about aliens as well, but I just couldn't get through it. It was just so poorly written. <laughs> wow. I just couldn't punish myself any further. <laughs> well, Ron, what are some explanations, then, for what people are seeing out there in the sky? Well, that's a good question, because you might get the, the, uh, you know, the idea from what I've just said that I think everything is occultic. I don't think that at all. I do think that in many cases, occultism explains what people are experiencing. But I also think that in terms of what people are seeing in the sky, that in many cases, it could actually be something natural. For example, there is the uh, reality of what's called ball lightning. This is a form of lightning that is not a lightning bolt. Rather, it is oval in shape. It involves plasma. It sizzles. It's intense red. And it emits an electromagnetic wave, which means that if it gets near your car, your car is going to die. Also, because it's got plasma and uh, it has an electromagnetic wave, if it bounces around the sky, it will be picked up on radar. And so there have been studies about uh, UFO reports and the reality of ball lightning. And in over 700 different cases, ball lightning fit the pattern of what was reported by people in local cities. So that's one of the explanations. Certainly another one would be the planet Venus. Many people have reported seeing a UFO high in the sky when, in fact, it was Venus that shows up during daytime hours. You can actually see Venus even during the day. There was one case I'm aware of in which um, hundreds of reports of hundreds of UFOs were reported late at night in a particular city. And uh, the police chased things down and they discovered that there were hundreds of birds that had been exposed to phosphorescent dust and were actually glowing. Wow. And they were flying, you know, right over the city one night. So a lot of people thought that there were UFOs flying over the city. Uh, not only that, but uh, did you guys know that there are virtually thousands of pieces of space junk floating around our world? I mean, due to the different governments who have launched things into outer space, we've got virtually thousands. In fact, there's over 7,087 man-made objects floating around in space, and most of them are metal. If the sun hits those in the right way, you're going to see something up in the sky moving. And so there's been uh, that aspect of, um, in terms of being an explanation for what people have seen. Yeah, you know, and that's what UFO means. It means unidentified flying objects. But right. When uh, we say UFO, most people think alien spacecraft manned by intelligent beings, when it doesn't necessarily mean that. Well, and that's a very good point to make. I mean, UFO means unidentified flying object. Yes, there are many UFOs, but what your presumption ought to be, Kevin, is that there's a natural explanation for it. Unfortunately, most of our culture automatically assumes there must be an alien spacecraft. 
when in fact, in most cases, it's an easily explainable phenomenon, whether it's ball lightning or a piece of space junk or anything else. And again, I keep going back to this, but I've got to repeat it. You know, if you're going to make an extraordinary claim, you've got to have extraordinary evidence to back up that claim. A fuzzy photograph or a fuzzy film will not do. Somebody's experience where they report something happening in the middle of the night will not do. You've got to make, you have some hard evidence if you're going to make some claims like this, especially if you're going to make claims that, uh, you know, seek to overturn Christianity, like a lot of these New Age mystics are trying to do. Well, Ron, you know, as we close the show, uh, what points of discernment should we as Christians keep in mind when we hear about UFO phenomena and news reports? Well, I'd say a number of points. I'd say, first of all, uh, New Age psychics who are in communication with these alleged space brothers are seeking to communicate false doctrine, like, uh, you know, Jesus is not the Son of God, there's no hell, there's, you know, uh, only salvation for all people, regardless of your religion. Uh, let's keep in mind that these revelations from space brothers are always consistent with the New Age movement, but never consistent with the Bible. Let's keep in mind that we know that Satan has the ability to, to counterfeit angels of light. Is it possible that he's also counterfeiting alien abduction experiences? It would seem to be the case since most people who have these experiences are involved in the occult. And let's keep in mind that there are many natural explanations for what people may be seeing out there, whether it's ball lightning or space junk floating around our world. You know, we, we, we're living, living in strange times, guys, and these are times for discernment. And we as Christians ought to be the most discerning of all people. I'll tell you what else is interesting, guys, and that is that all of these new documentaries and specials and programs don't have any new evidence or footage. <laughs> well, now that's kind of interesting, yeah. too, because when you look at some of the uh, actual footage, it's always, always kind of a blurry kind of a sighting. I mean, uh, you would think that today with the digital technology that we have, yeah, and with autofocus technology and all of those sort of things, so we would finally have a, a real good, accurate, very precise picture. Isn't that the truth? I mean, we all have, uh, uh, so many people have video recorders, they have uh, cell phones that can take video and everything, and there should be a massive increase in video evidence for UFOs, but it's just not, doesn't seem to be happening. Well, no, and until they do, I think that, uh, you know, the burden of proof really lies on them. And, I, you know, the point is that if you're going to make extraordinary claims, you need to have extraordinary evidence to back up those claims. Sometimes people speak as if it's on our shoulder to prove that they don't exist, but that's not really true. If they're going to make an extraordinary claim that they've been visited or perhaps even abducted by an alien, or as some even claim, there are some women who've claimed they've been impregnated by aliens. I mean, if you're going to make those kinds of claims, then you really need to have extraordinary evidence to back up those claims. And so far, that evidence is lacking. Ron, tell us where we can get some resources on this topic. Obviously, your book, Alien Obsession, and also your website. Well, that's right. The website, in fact, the book is available at the website. And we've also got a, a CD-ROM. It's the Ron Road CD Library, in which you get 120 books, $120 uh, worth of books for only 30 bucks. And that's got the, uh, the alien book on it as well. We've got a variety of articles on occultism, articles on discernment, 
articles that can help you discern what is true from the false. And so there's a lot of material there that I think can help you. Uh, in terms of other books that are written on the subject, uh, my friend William Alnor has written uh, several books that have been very helpful on the aliens and the, and the UFOs from a Christian perspective. And as well, my friends John Ankerberg and John Weldon have written some material that deals with this subject as well. And in fact, you can go over to the Ankerberg Theological Institute website for more information there. And so there's a, there's a number of good resources you can go to, but don't fall into what the popular media is trying to shove down your throat when you see some of these TV shows. Believe me, I'm a guy who's looked into this thoroughly, and you're not being told the whole truth on some of those TV shows that you see. That's Dr. Ron Rhodes, author and apologist and expert in the cult and the occult. So, Dr. Rhodes, thanks for being on the show with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. Thank you so much for listening and be sure and visit us online at evidenceandanswers.org. 